0: Standing next to oh, And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Meet Us at Molly's. As always, I am Gina. I am joined by my co host, Bryna. Hello, everybody. And Ashley's back. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to be back. Are you better? Yes. Good. Not sick anymore. Yay. Thank God. (laughs) I like how we were like, Ashley didn't get sick. And then two days later, you were like, I'm sick. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we
0: jinxed that one. (laughs) Our fault. Our bad.
1: (laughs) So today on the podcast, we are going to cover Chicago Med Season 3, Episode 3, entitled Trust Your Gut. As always, we're gonna start with the news. Now, what we did this week, since we are recording two episodes and releasing two episodes on the same day, is we tried to separate the news so that, you know, the MED news was with the MED episode and the PD news was with the PD episode. But the thing is, is that since PD had their mid-season finale, they have a lot more news than MED. So the one bit of news that we do have on MED is that Chicago MED has cast actress Arden Cho as Ethan's sister in season three. This was a TV line article that came down, I think, maybe a week or two ago. It was a little while ago, but it might have been when we discussed the Jason Begay issue instead of the news. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, so all it pretty much says in here is that, you know, Arden comes in as Choi's little sister and she kind of causes a little bit of trouble. So it's kind of it's not like we've never seen a sibling coming into Chicago and shaking things up. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think it'll also be interesting to see, assuming that sex toys still together at that point, like how, if that affects their relationship and, you know, does Ethan's sister like April? Does she hate her? Um, So I think it'll be interesting for sure.
1: Yeah, and what kind of relationship Ethan has with his sister because they kind of laid a foundation in this episode in the one we're about to talk about for Choi and family issues.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, it'll be really interesting. Does it say, it doesn't say when, right? Like it doesn't say if that's like a, as soon as we come back from hiatus, like, like how far down the road that is. Um, I'm sure know, it's the second th- half of the season.
1: Yeah, let me see if it says here in the article when she's coming in. And it may have, but again, this is slightly old news for what we usually cover. Let me see. November 22nd. Yeah, so it's been a while. Let me see here. Ethan's party girl adopted sister Emily. She's adopted. Okay. Okay. And she's a semi-professional gambler who bankrolls her high-stakes betting by cozying up to Richmond. She sounds fun. Maybe PD will be involved. Maybe, yeah. And it looks like they will, yeah, sex toy will still be together. Because it says the new couple will struggle with the question of how do you navigate a relationship when your loved one is your boss or your underling? Underling is a weird word to use. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. well, she sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) but it doesn't say when she's coming in so okay yeah sometime in january is what i imagine that'll be interesting so as we said you know that's about all of the news for med this week there wasn't much but i'm sure there will be not this coming week but next week for their mid-season finale or is this week their mid-season finale
0: this week's their mid-season
1: finale December, man. I am all screwed up on my dates.
0: Like oh, wait, no, 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 wait, hold on. There's one more episode. Like, we have one more to watch. That's what I mean by this week.
1: So, as in this Tuesday. Tuesday. Episode four.
0: Yeah, this Tuesday, episode four of Med is their mid-season finale. Got it. Okay. So,
1: yes. December's got me all screwed up. Like, so this comes okay. out on Monday, so it would be tomorrow. Yes. That. Yeah. What Ashley said. <laughs> Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into the episode. Again, this is season three, episode three, called Trust Your Gut. Now, again, with the med episodes this season, we've had so many moving parts that we're going to break it down by storyline like we always do, but there's like five or six storylines here because we're just bouncing all over the hospital. Again, not complaining. It's great, but man, is it busy. So we're going to start off with Connor, Ava, and Latham because they're doing wonderful Connor, Connor, Ava, and Latham things, as always. So... We start off and Connor is on the phone with Robin and she can't find her keys. And he seems a little annoyed with her this time, which kind of makes me sad. But I think that's the direction they're heading in is that, you know, Connor just does not have time for her, which is just going to yeah, be so sad. Yeah, I think sad. it's going
0: to, I like, I hate to say this, but I feel like, and that doesn't mean they break up. I don't know if they break up, but I think it's, I mean, it's going to come to head at some point. Like, he's going to blow up at her. It's like,
1: built. that's what they're building towards. That's sad, too, because he loves her. But this is going to tear them apart. Like, this illness of hers that, you know, she had no say in is going to be what tears them apart. That's sad. Yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. So Ava sees an opportunity and she offers to take over pre-op because, of course, she does. Ava's going to Ava, whatever. So they meet with Ray Preston. He's the patient ahead of his surgery. And Connor sort of presents the case to Latham. And Ava jumps in and Connor or, or yeah Ava jumps in and then Connor finishes her sentence and the patient points out here he's like yeah Dr. Rhodes said that most people with arteries as damaged as mine just drop dead and Latham just goes yeah he's right like okay <laughs> okay all right sure stakes we'll go are a with little that. high this time yeah just okay cool and so when they're in surgery, Ava and Connor can't agree on which blood vessel to use. Like, they're literally just searching for things to argue about because mm-hmm. whatever. And so they can't agree on which vessel to use. And Latham's like, what the hell? Like, this, the distance between vessels, it's completely negligible, which is Latham's way of saying, what the fuck are you guys doing? And Ava eventually backs down. And then Connor kind of goes a little mean girl here. And Connor's like, okay, well, going forward, can we keep background noise at a minimum? I'm like, ooh, Connor, how passive aggressive of you?
0: It's almost like for them, they're this old married couple that keeps fighting, except it's not because they like each other. Like, it's just like tenfold. Like, their arguments are ridiculous and they're stupid. And it's just like, oh my God, I hate Ava. And it's I only a matter her. of time
1: before this affects a patient, you know? Like, they're lucky that these cases have gone well for them, but it's only a matter of time before them arguing is going to get in the way with the patient's care.
0: Right, yeah. And I think, like you said, I, luckily the patients haven't noticed it, but once, what's going to happen, like, e- when a patient notices it? Like, I'd be like, if I was a patient in this scenario, I'd be like, fuck this. Like, I don't want either of you guys. You might, you might be the best doctors, but, like,
1: you're making me go insane. Right, it would... ...give me more anxiety than I would already have. Yeah, for sure. That would be bad. So then afterwards, Ava is still giving him crap about which vessel he used... ...because she can't let it go. And Rhodes just says, you know, I'll take that as a nice job. And then she goes, I didn't realize my approval meant so much to you. And so he responds and he's like, always on, aren't you? And poor Dr. Latham. He's trying so hard to keep up, but he can't. And he asks Connor, he's like, always on, what does that mean? And Connor answers him in a cliche. He's like, oh, it's just something about steel is what he says. And Dr. Latham's like, I still don't follow. Like, poor Dr. Latham. It's just, poor thing. So after the surgery, the patient has some complications and they have to improvise. And so Ava suggests using another room that's prepped for something else. And Connor says it's a good idea. So Connor's trying to be the bigger person here. It's-
0: yeah well I think he also realizes that he kind of has to be because he's at a disadvantage because Latham Latham originally didn't want him for the fellowship he wanted Ava and so he has to be the bigger person to improve himself that he's worthy of actually having gotten this fellowship just as much as she deserved it so I think he kind of has to be which obviously he doesn't want to be but you know he's kind of stuck in this sticky, sticky situation.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, because I forgot about that, about the fellowship. So it makes sense that Connor would, you know, have to try twice as hard to prove himself.
0: Yeah. And not just, like, it not just to lay them, but like, like you said, like, he has to be the bigger person when it comes to Ava's fucking annoying
1: habits. <laughs> and so when they're doing this procedure to fix things, Ava is being so smug about it. Like, why can't you be a good sport? It's just not just, it's so not good to have the ego she has. Well, I mean, it can be in certain situations, but the way she's flaunting it is just not a good look. And so she's like, don't beat yourself up, Connor. Grafts fail. Except this graft didn't fail. The patient had a blood clot. So maybe you spoke too soon, Ava. And so Connor recommends using meds, but Ava recommends a way more aggressive treatment, and Latham ends up agreeing with her. This is Connor's thing, really. He likes to kind of sit back and wait. I wonder why he's a little bit more cautious about things.
0: I don't know maybe we'll find out at some point we don't know we don't know enough about like we've only kind of seen a little bit of his backstory you know when it comes to how you know why he is the kind of doctor he is and I think there's obviously a lot there and hopefully we'll get to find out about it at some point
1: yeah because I remember he was pretty cautious last week and then in that crossover when Herman got stabbed he wanted to wait and see and everybody was like the fuck are you doing
0: right well and it's like well like last no first season one when we found out obviously about like when will had the whole dnr stuff and we found out about um like his mom having cancer and like obviously that kind of playing a role in the doctor that will is and so like i'm hoping at some point we'll get to see a situation like that and kind of get to learn why connor
1: is the doctor that he is right right that would be interesting and so they go for the more aggressive treatment, and they actually play nice during this procedure. It's odd. They play nice, but then another vessel ruptures. And so Ava's like, what the fuck? This vessel is rupturing in a totally opposite place of where it happened. And Connor just blames Murphy's Law, which is, like, a great law for life. It's the one that, like, anything that can go wrong will. Yeah, Murphy's yeah. Law. Yeah. And so they talk later and Ava suggests a heart transplant and Connor is basically like, you're ridiculous. What are you talking about? We're not even at that point. He's post-op. Let the man live. And so he thinks it's ridiculous, but she actually does make some really good points. And I mean, I'm guessing that she makes some really good points because, again, hi, not a doctor. So (laughs) I'm guessing, like, by her tone of voice and how adamant she was that, yeah, she made a lot of good points.
0: (laughs) We're just going to assume that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so – Connor's like, no, we're not doing that. And then it just kind of goes from zero to 60. And so Ava's like, well, you're wrong. And when I'm right, I'll make sure the blame's on you, not me. Like, okay, wait. Like, I thought, (laughs) yeah, this was like friendly banter. And then it just kind of like went zero to 100.
0: She's coming for his job.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she absolutely is.
0: It's (laughs) ridiculous. She's coming. She's, and like, she's not even being sneaky about it. Like, at least... Like, going back to fire with the Hope stuff. Like, Hope was, like, semi-sneaky about it. Um, But Ava's just, like, full-on, like, going full speed ahead. She's like, yeah, like, I want this job. I'm going to take it. Sorry, Connor. You're just going to be a tragedy in this situation. Like,
1: Yeah. Okay. There is a moment, too, when they're doing the procedure, like, earlier on, where Ava's like, you know, I'm sorry I have a tendency to step on toes, but I just want to. And then Connor finishes the sentence and is like, yeah, you just want to win. Yeah, but it's not quite about that. So, yeah, um, and so you know they go with Connor's decision to wait, and it actually does pay off, which is good. And so they, yeah, so Becker walks off, and Latham just kind of points out, he's like, okay, well, you and Ava make a good pair, but your interaction suggests otherwise. And he's like, you know, Ava enjoys their discordance, is what he says. But he asks Connor if he does, like, do you like this discordance? And Connor kind of pauses for a second. He's like, well, maybe I do. Okay, Connor, that's the second time you've answered Latham with, like, an expression. You can't do that. you got to be a little bit more specific with him.
0: Yeah. You can't just, like, speak in cliches here, dude.
1: Right, right. And even when he said that, he's like, maybe I do. I'm like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Right. (laughs) Like, I don't even get what that means. It's not cool. You're
0: trying – it's like – it's like in this instance, you know, how, like, in school when you always had, like, your literature teacher that would speak in just, like, literary, like – phrases and cliches and things like that it's like connor in this instance and you're just like what the fuck are you talking about like i don't understand
1: right right and so i'm like sitting there and he's like well maybe i do and i'm trying to see the reason in this because yeah i just i still don't see how this dynamic between them is productive because i get that they were trying to show us that you know they're good when they put their heads together but the moment when they put their heads together was so fleeting in this episode that it got overshadowed by everything else. So it Yeah, and like, I think. Yeah, go ahead.
0: No, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think also part of the reason why I think this dynamic is so frustrating. I mean, granted, it's only been three episodes, but I think part of the reason why this dynamic has been so frustrating is because, you know, before this episode, the last two episodes I was talking about, you know, I was like. Why are all the couples working together all the time? Like, this is so annoying. Like, they're getting all, like, angsty at each other. Like, they just need to stop working with each other. And then, obviously, in this episode, we finally saw them stop working together. But because of the situation that Connor and Ava are in and the fact that they're fellows for this specific program with Latham in the cardiothoracic department, they can't not work with each other. Unless it was, like, a dire emergency Like, they're not going to not be working together. But it's so annoying because I just, like, okay, they just need some space from each other just for, like, an episode. But I don't think we're going to get it because of just their situation. And it just it makes it – I think it makes them less productive as, like, doctors that the fact that they can't, like, take a breather from each other. um, But also just, like, as fans, I'm, like, I just want a breather from the two of them for just, like, 40 minutes one week – but I don't think we're going to get it just because of the situation of the fellowship.
1: Yeah. And I'd rather see them collaborate than compete.
0: Right. And maybe they would see like, maybe if Connor took a breath for a week and was working with someone else and he could see, I mean, granted, I think he sees the value in collaboration, but like, you know, there's there, they always use cases as a way to kind of influence what's happening in their regular, like real personal lives. So maybe if there was a situation where Connor was forced to collaborate with someone, he would be like, oh, this is what I should be doing with Dr. Becker, but he's not given that chance and he's never going to come to that conclusion himself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I just, they're pushing each other's buttons more than they're pushing each other to be better. And that's the issue I have with this dynamic is that they're just, uh, yeah, I mean, they're They have, they, there's, there's such good resources in each other to learn from each other and push each other to be better, but they're not using each other for that. They're using each other to put each other down and kind of be vindictive about it.
0: Yeah. And I think I'm going to go back and say something I said in last, not last week, but the last episode, whatever, the last episode where we talked about med, um, but you know, it really kind of feels to me that they're pushing this like antagonist to lovers trope which dear god I really hope they don't please no. but it really feels like that's what they're going with and I'm like I I could get behind this dynamic if it was you know even if it was them being competitive if that wasn't where I felt like they were going but I really hope that's not where they're going but also we got an email and the reason I bring that like that part of that trope up is um we got an email from Allison and And she was talking about, she was talking about, like, she doesn't like Ava either. And she was going on and she was like, I just feel like Ava needs to get laid. (laughs) Maybe she does. Maybe that would calm her down and, like, have her stop being such an asshole. But she needs to calm the fuck down.
1: Yeah. And in that same email, she said she was like, maybe that's why Ava's so mean to him is because she has the hots for them. Or she has the hots for him. And I'm like, dude, can we stop perpetuating that notion of, like, I like somebody so I'm going to treat them like shit? Yeah. I hate that. I hate that.
0: It's the worst, but, I felt the same yeah. thing. I thought they was gonna, I think they're, I think they're, like, trying to push them together. Like, farther down the line, they'll end up together. Please
1: yeah. no. Please no.
0: And, I, yeah, I, A, I don't want that to happen, but also, and I said, I've said this in a previous episode, I don't remember if it was episode, like, 301 or 302, but, like, I really just want Connor to have, like, a good, steady love interest. Whether that's Robin or someone else, but, like, this is season three, and, Ava would technically be love interest number three and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this man is not Severide and we should not be treating him like Severide.
1: Right. But yet,
0: that would be the cycle he'd be starting to get into if Ava becomes love interest number three.
1: Oh, the circle of Connor. It begins.
0: Dear lord. No. I mean, I guess every one of our shows has to... Well, no. Because PD doesn't really have one. But Oof. every show could have one. Plus, like, I'm not going to even say that.
1: Plus, I mean, I'd, I want to see on TV that, you know, a male and a female can be friends or professional colleagues without it ever escalating to that point. Yeah,
0: for sure. And that's kind of, I mean, like we said, we said that with PD and we've said that in instances with fire, but like, yeah, it'd be really nice to see, but I think they also need to get to the friends part first. I just hope it doesn't go from antagonists to lovers to friends. I'd rather see it go antagonists to friends and that's it. Yes
1: antagonist to friends to nothing else nothing else yeah yeah and i mean we're talking long term like long term long term not we're not saying that like we want to see this by the mid-season finale we're talking like way long term
0: no yeah like i'm talking like end of season three like
1: be there yeah if we have to like divide and conquer and make teams now i'm still team robin if that's the direction we're going i'm just gonna call i'm gonna pledge my allegiance right now to team robin (laughs)
0: I don't know. I don't know if I'm team Robin,
1: but we'll see. I'm team Connor. Yes. Much, yes, much better answer than mine. Yes, team Connor. (laughs) Team Connor. (laughs) Screw you, Ava. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I just, their dynamic is just, maybe this was like the first step in the right direction because they did have that moment that really, really brief blink-and-you-miss-it moment of collaboration. But even then, none of it was from Ava. It was all from Connor being like, hey, nice job. Like, hey, way to go here. None of it was from Ava. It was all from Connor. Yeah, she's the worst. She kind of is. Although I wonder I wonder if, like, in her field as a female trying to come up through the ranks as, like, a cardiothoracic surgeon, if she kind of has to be that way.
0: But I think there's a way to be competitive without being cutthroat. Yes. And that is not her. She is competitive and she is cut through. Correct. Because, like, as someone who has spent a lot of time, you know, around doctors and in medical environments, you know, I get that they're, you know, residents and fellows and whatever. Like, they have to be competitive because, like, there's only so, you know, it's such limited spots. But at the same time, you know, there's a way for you to shine without, like, literally stepping on every single person 10 million times to get there
1: yeah and that's the part that that's the part of Ava that she either doesn't have or like is missing or yeah Oof. they would be so good together if they could just not come not necessarily yeah they could they could be such a good pairing if they just knew how to work together and not against each other
0: and I think a good example of what she should try to be and like this is not like I mean, this. I'm just gonna say this, this is a comparison to Grace, but like she, like Christina Yang, like you know, Christina is competitive without necessarily. I mean, in the moments where she is cutthroat, then she realizes like this is not how I'm supposed to do it. But like she's competitive without literally like being nasty human, pe- like nasty human to other
1: people. Right. She appreciates the benefit of collaboration, and you know, it's more. She important- just wants to you know, be successful.
0: Yeah. But yeah, she appreciates the, uh, you know, she appreciates collaboration and all that stuff. Right. So I think that's a good example of what maybe Ava should be, Mm -hmm. but isn't quite there
1: yet. Right, right, right. So interesting road ahead for Connor. And you know what I miss is I miss Connor interacting with everybody else down in the ED.
0: Right. And that's what what I'm saying is like in this situation where they're stuck in the fellowship, they have to work with each other. But like – You know, where is him working with Will? Where is him working on occasion with Natalie? Like, I miss it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, You
0: don't realize you miss something until it's not there.
1: (laughs) Right, right. So, O'Connor. Yeah, we'll see going forward. It'll be an interesting road. So, next one we're going to jump into is April, Noah, and Dr. Choi. I like what they did this week. And you pointed this out earlier, Bryna, that – The couples weren't necessarily working together this week. They varied it up a teeny tiny bit, so I was happy about that. Thank God. Yeah, not that, I mean, I don't hate when they pair the couples together, but just jazz it up every now and then. You don't have to do it every episode, just, you know, every couple of episodes is cool. So we start off Noah's at the doctor station, wherever Noah is, and he's yawning. And April's like, what the hell? Why are you so tired? He's been working 90-hour weeks, and he pretty much only has time to eat ramen and cheeseburgers. And I don't know about y'all, but I only work like 40-hour weeks, and that's still all I eat. <laughs> so. Yeah,
0: something close to that, yeah. yeah.
1: And so April's like, what the hell? You have a steady paycheck. Why don't you get one of those meal delivery services? And Noah asks if April will set it up for him. So April says yes, and Ethan's just giving this glare of, like, total judgment. And So am
0: I. So am I.
1: See, but I don't find it that bad. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm technically an only child, so I guess I just don't, I, I might not know the dynamic here. I know you have siblings, Bryna, but to me it just seems like Noah's asking his big sister for help.
0: I mean, and that part I get, but I also think, like, you know, she recommended something that, like, is already kind of serving your lazy ass with, like, um, recommending a meal delivery service. But, you know, if my brother, who's also just coincidentally named Noah, if my Noah asked me to say, like, hey, will you do this for me? And it's something as simple as, like, going onto the computer and, like, plugging in your information. I'd be like, fuck you. Like, go do it yourself. Like, you know, you're a grown boy, which he is. I mean, my brother's 21. So I'd be like, Noah, like, you're 21 years old. Like, go do this yourself. So for me, like, it's not it's not saying that like if there was a different kind of situation where you know it was something where you really needed two people to do something or you know I needed you know my brother needed me to like help him with I don't know take care of something like more important I wouldn't say that he can't come ask me for help but something as simple as like just going on a computer and like plugging in your information I'd be like fuck you go do it yourself
1: (laughs) even if your brother were working 90 hour weeks hell yeah yeah It takes
0: two seconds to log onto a computer and order some meals. Like, it's not like I'm saying go to the grocery store and sign up for this meal delivery service. You have your phone, like, yeah, no, I'd just be like, fuck
1: you, go do it yourself. I love when Bryna gets all blunt and to the point. And she's like, no, <laughs> fuck you, do it yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, and like I said, it's not to say if my brother came and asked me for like help with something more important, I would totally do it, and especially if he was working 90 hours a week, but it's something simple with a meal delivery service, like, no, <laughs> go do it yourself, fuck you.
1: <laughs> I bet you Noah is a total mama's boy. Just the way he keeps leaning on April, he's probably a total mama's boy. Probably. I don't know. For sure.
0: Well, because especially, too, you know, she's he's got to be. And, like, April already takes care of him with so much. And, you know, she sacrificed a lot of her life for him. And so, I mean, we're going to get to this in a little bit later. But, like, she just sacrificed so much of her life for him that, like, something as, like, simple as this meal delivery service, like, no. Like, don't sacrifice five more minutes of your life for something this stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish you would tell us how you really feel, Bryna. Like I know. I mean, maybe next week, but no. That's I really how, yeah. wish you
1: wouldn't hold back. Like I know. <laughs> but yeah, so when Choi gives his nod of disapproval, he doesn't even have to say anything. And April just goes, don't give me that look, which I love. I'm like, yeah, set him straight. So Ethan and Natalie, they work together this week. And they treat Myra, who is a patient she passed out in her bathroom. She fell and hit her head. And so her brother is with her. And it's quite clear that he uses drugs. So, the parents arrive. They are so not thrilled to see him. And we just kind of learned the background here. So, she's vegan. So, she's anemic. Uh, but otherwise, all of her scans keep coming back clean. And between between this week and last week, I think we can safely say that the writers room at Med, like, they all eat meat. With all the hate for vegetarians and vegans in these past two weeks, we get it. <laughs> so funny. So, yeah. She's vegan. So, she's anemic. But everything's coming back clean. So, they can't really figure out what's wrong with her. Myra's parents tell Natalie that they think they know what's wrong with her because Eric Eric's the brother, he probably slipped her something. The parents are so quick to blame the brother at every turn here. It's kind of sad. They're so judgmental. They're yeah. the worst. The worst, the worst. And I love how every time they say something horrible about or to the brother, Choi and April and Natalie just stand there. Like, they don't say anything like, uh, maybe we should step in. Maybe we should do something here. No, they just, they just stand there and are like, this is awkward. What do we do? Yeah. I don't know. And so, yeah, Myra's parents tell Natalie that they think he probably slipped or something. And Natalie's pretty adamant here. Natalie's like, okay, you know, nothing showed up on her drug test. So everything's clean. Everything's good. And so April overhears what the parents say while she works on Noah's meal delivery service. And, you know, she pretty much thinks it's really fucked up. So Choi and April have um, not really an argument here, but I think they try to have, like, a clever disagreement. I don't know. So April's like, they're family. They shouldn't be isolating him. They should be coming together. And Choi's like, I would expect you to say that. And Shots fired. What'd you say? Yeah, shots I said, fired. said, shots
0: fired by Choi. <laughs> Damn.
1: I know. Yeah, I would expect you to say that. And so April's like, what the fuck is your problem? Why do you think this is a bad thing? And so Choi thinks April has a soft spot for her family at her own expense. Now, here's the deal with this. Okay, so Severide has pointed this out to her as well, way back in the day. And it is true. It is true. But. Neither Severide or Choi have good relationships with their family. Now, Severide, we're positive. We know that. Choi, we don't know, but I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Just from how this scene plays out. Because Choi's like, well, when I turned 18, it was sink or swim. You know, they just set me loose. And that was that. And so neither Severide or Choi have good relationships with their family. So they can't quite judge here. But... Choice like well Noah's a grown man you know you eventually have to learn to sink or swim he has to go it alone and April goes I would expect you to say that so return shot fired I don't know yeah like, yeah I mean I fired. don't know
0: I mean I kind of fall in this moment not that I think April having a soft spot for her family isn't a bad thing because I don't think that is at all But I think, you know, when Choi says, you know, like Noah's a grown man, you're not doing any favors for him by constantly picking up his slack. Like, like I said, you know, when it comes to something as simple as like being able to like order meals from himself on the internet, like, yeah, I kind of agree with Choi. Like, it's not that hard. And you're not teaching him any kind of responsibility or anything like that by doing it for himself.
1: See, and I'm more with April on this one that, you know, she's She takes care of her family. I don't know. To me, it's just that at the end of the day, your family is all you have left, you know? So if Choi were to just up and say sayonara and, you know, the the ED were to go away, all she would have would be her family, you know? Yeah. So No, it's true. It's just,
0: I don't know. For me, like I said, if this was over anything else other than, like, meal delivery service, I might fall differently. But, like, because it's over, like, a meal delivery service in April doing
1: that, I, yeah. That's true. That's true. And I I also, I just get the vibe that Choi's the black sheep of his family, so I'm sure that's going to be something we're going to learn more about as the season rolls on. Can you hear us, Brenna? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, okay. For a second there, I was like, uh uh-oh. So... They basically run more tests and they can't figure anything out. And so Natalie is like, okay, well, we have to brainstorm zebras. And she dropped this so casually. She's like, we should brainstorm zebras. And I was like, did she just say zebras? Did that just happen? (laughs) It's exactly what she said. And so they run a bunch of tests and it comes back that Myra's brain dead. And so, yeah, she dies. The parents want to donate her organs. And then, of course, in one fell swoop, because who didn't see this coming? They blamed the brother for her death. Of course they did. Because they're so judgmental. So judgmental. It's so bad. And so she's like, you're a drug addict. You gave her something, blah, blah, blah. And Natalie comes in. Natalie's like, for fuck's sake, we told you her talk screen was fucking negative.
0: (laughs) This is the only time I can get on board with like Natalie yelling at parents and like, you know, doing things like that is because like Natalie's actually in the right here.
1: Yeah, and she's not casually committing crimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's and it's totally a Natalie way of yelling. Like, she doesn't yell. She's just like, but I told you the talk screen was negative. And, you know, she's like saying it <laughs> through clenched teeth. Like, oh, these people are such idiots. Yeah. Oh, so bad. And so they're outside and Choi talks to Eric. And so Eric's like, my parents think I'm worthless. They think I want to be this way, but I don't. And Choi offers to get him help and something to eat. And so when, and I mean, scooting back a little bit, when after the father accuses him of, you know, blames him for being responsible for the death, April kind of glances at Choi in this way of like, you're wrong. And so when they're outside, Choi offers to get Eric help and something to eat. And Eric's like, well, why are you doing this for me? And Choi says, I guess I'm seeing that there's a difference between a crutch and a helping hand. Ah, look who's coming around to the whole Noah thing. Interesting. And so Eric explains that he had a cheeseburger and he felt awful and – or he felt awful afterwards and that's why he got high is so he wouldn't feel nauseous and the light bulb just kind of goes off in Choi's head. So we're on to something here. I mean, granted, sometimes I eat a burger and I feel terrible, but I think that's because I'm in my 30s. So <laughs> I just attribute it yeah. to getting old. <laughs> but – yeah, the light bulb goes off in Troy's head. So Myra was big on the, She was a big student and she would study and push herself really hard. And when she wouldn't eat while studying, it triggered what's called ketosis, which is where your body digests muscle as food. And so the muscle released protein into her bloodstream, which led to a buildup of ammonia and made her sick due to what's called OTC. And it's a metabolic disorder. And if we try to explain to you the full meaning <laughs> of what OTC actually is, it would be really bad because it's just this big long medical term that I think it took like a whole minute for Natalie to say yeah it was crazy not worth
0: it not worth it not important to what the story is just call it OTC
1: I'm also curious how many takes it took Tori to get that right because that was a mouthful yeah
0: yeah sometimes all these like complicated things I'm just like how long did it how did you learn how to say that like what it huh
1: yeah for sure they probably cut it up in like sections and like edited it all together (laughs) (laughs) So right. <laughs> oh man I remember one time like a year maybe a couple of years ago they were asking somebody asked Colin Donnell about like how many takes it usually takes <laughs> he said he had one time when it took him like five or six takes and that was a lot and to me I'm like I think it would take me at least five or six to get the gist of it never mind yeah. say it fluently but okay so we find out about the buildup of ammonia but wait there's a twist it means that her liver is bad and it can't be transplanted. So Choi and Natalie are running through the hospital like crazy people trying to find where this transplant's going down. They stop the transplant so they get enough time to test her blood and make sure she did have OTC. So they explain it to the parents and, you know, it's genetic. It was passed through the mother. So that means Eric had it too. And so Natalie's like, yeah, Eric was self-medicating to make the symptoms go away. And basically they reconcile with the son. And this is such a weird moment because basically the whole episode, they're like, we hate you, Eric. You're no good. Blah, blah, blah. And then Natalie is like, well, dude, he was doing drugs to make himself not be nauseous. And the parents were like, oh, we're so sorry. Forgive us.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, like when you could see that that was like a reconciliation was likely coming. But it yeah, it was weird.
1: I don't know if I'd forgive them. I'd be like, you just called me worthless like two scenes ago. Right. Well, and
0: especially like, that's not to say that I don't think, you know, I wouldn't say I would never forgive them, but like not that fast.
1: No, definitely not. Yeah. That, that to be a fly on the wall at that family's Christmas, like it's going to be lit. (laughs) (laughs) And so they reconcile with the son and later on Choi talks to April about the case. And you know, Choi's beating himself up a little bit. You know, he's he's kind of bummed about Myra's death. And April points out the silver lining that, you know, they found the cause and they helped the family reconcile. And so April says at the end, she goes, you know, I may have a soft spot for family, but I'm not the only one with a soft spot. And so Choi goes to hold her hand. April's like, no. Like, she's just playing with him at this point, but she's like, no. So I would say at the end of this one that it's, you know, if we're going on a point system here, like, Choi 2, April 1. Because I was on April's side this episode. And usually I'm like, April, what the hell are you doing?
0: I'd agree with that, the fact that, like, if we're going on a point system, it's 2-1. I'm still not completely 100% on April's side. But, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that's pretty much their storyline. So here's my question for you guys. And, again, we're calling them Sex Toy going forward because it's a way better ship name than Chexton. So are they growing on you at all? Like, where, where do we stand on Sex Toy? Have they grown on you at all?
0: Not that they've not grown on me, but I wasn't sitting here being like, I wasn't sitting here like pulling my hair out being like, what the fuck are these two doing? Like, I can't sit here and watch another minute of this. But I wouldn't say they've grown on me. They're not growing on me yet.
1: Okay, Ashley? Yeah, they're not grown on me either. I mean, it
0: wasn't like cringeworthy like it, the, some of the past yeah. episodes were, but there's some still not sold on.
1: Yeah, I kind of stayed neutral on this, too. Granted, this wasn't as bad as the past two weeks have been where I'm like, dude, I am not aboard this train at all. I just kind of stayed the same. So maybe we'll take a turn in the right direction. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Kind of neutral. And thankfully, you know, we got some emails about this, too, because, you know, this the sex toy issue here, it's, you know, people have hot takes. So. (laughs) We got an email from Allison and Allison said, you know, I liked her when she was introduced on fire. However, since then, I find her character a little too aggressive. Not everything Choi says is a personal attack on you or your rank at the hospital. Preach. Preach. Yeah, it's a good point. And it's this was definitely prevalent in the first two episodes. This episode, they kind of toned it down a little bit. But yeah, not everything Choice says is a personal attack. She's very defensive.
0: Yes, 100% agree.
1: And so on the flip side of that, we got an email from a new listener named Laurel, and this was great. So Laurel brought some really good points to light. She said, you know, I see a sweetness between them. He cares for her and vice versa. I love April. She's being protective of her relationship. Coming from a medical field background, nurses tend to ostracize nurses who dated or married doctors. And this is something that was also pointed out to us by a listener named Katrina, too, is that it's apparently very taboo for nurses and doctors to date. Um, and so Laura goes on here and she says, you know, Ethan is a straight and narrow guy and April's the good girl next door. She sees things in color while he sees things in black and white. She's chipping away at his rough exterior. And then she points out something that I didn't even think about, which I feel like I should have. She said, I love the fact that this is an interracial couple from two minority races.
0: Yeah, no, it is. I think it's something I've thought about. But yeah, it is. It's a, it's a good point. It's, I think it's something that gets lost in the shuffle with them a little bit.
1: Yeah. So. I mean, Laurel definitely brings some good things to light here that, you know, she makes the point that, you know, they've got a lot of potential and they do have good qualities about them. We just have to kind of get past all of the other stuff first. Yeah. So also Laurel is from Trinidad. So that's pretty cool that we see, you know, international listeners. listeners. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: It's really cool for us.
1: Yeah. We were, that
0: was something that was like the first thing we were like, oh my God, this is so cool.
1: Yeah, very, very cool. And so um, we also got a tweet from some guy named Jeff. I don't know. know um, <laughs> <Ryan, laughs> will you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, so yesterday, being Saturday, um, we got a tweet from Jeff replying to, I guess it was our last episode that we had put out. and This is Jeff Dreyer, writer for Ned, yeah. who
1: we interviewed a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah, Jeff, yeah, Jeff Dreyer. Um, and he was saying that, Um, well, one, he agrees with us that sex toy is a much better ship name than (laughs) Chexton. Yes. uh, And that's hence why we're going to keep using sex toy from here on out. Uh, But he also says that we should keep waiting because, you know, last week or in the last episode where we had talked about med, you know, Gina and I talked about how we were kind of really frustrated with sex toy and that, you know, we weren't really liking them. But Jeff says that we should keep waiting because he thinks that eventually they'll grow on us. So Jeff, we're holding you to that.
1: We are. We are. We're just going to kind of sit back with our popcorn and wait. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah. And so that was like the April and Choi and Noah situation. So the next thing we're going to talk about is Will's case with Dr. Stoll and Natalie. Because Will and Nat didn't work together this week. Yeah. It's an interesting – it was very interesting and very, very busy in the episode this week. So like we said, the couples are working apart except for April and Choi. But whatever. (laughs) And <laughs> um, so Will and Dr. Stoll they treat a patient named Alex and so Alex is like freaking out he's got a huge gash in his lower abdomen and Will notes that it's completely clean but then he kind of notices that he's covered in betadine so Will's like did you do this to yourself and Alex says that he cut himself to get it out it air quotes so Will's like what the hell is it and Alex says the person living inside him I'm sorry, what? Okay. Yeah. What? Okay. So Will looks at Stoll and gives him this what the fuck face, and it's basically all of us. Like, what the yeah. fuck did he just say? Did that just happen? That just happened. <laughs> so Natalie mentions to Will later on that Helen is watching Owen, and Will's like, yes, cool, awesome. And Nat's only request is that Will shaves. This is such a cute moment. I love how Nat's like, I only have one request. And Will goes, anything. Anything. They're so cute. Yeah. The things we do for love. I know. So, so cute. And so Will's like, you ask a lot, but okay. So cute. (laughs) And so this is where things get pretty jumbled because Dr. Stoll's all over the place. Will's all over the place. Everybody's all over the place. So Dr. Stoll kind of spends the rest of the episode getting on Will about being more explicit in his charts. I think he basically just wants him to like write a novel. It's the whole chart thing. I'm like, this is weird. Stop it. I'm not here for it. Um, so skipping on later later on, and we'll get into more into the case with Alex in a minute, because recent Doctor Charles come into play too. So Will asks Maggie if she has seen Natalie, and Maggie mentions that, you know, she's in the doctor doctor's lounge and she's like, Hey, I heard you have a hot date tonight. And Will goes, I'm even going to shave. And Maggie's like, no. <laughs> the things we do for love. It's so cute. So, so cute. It's just, it,
0: yeah, it's just, uh, in this moment, so great.
1: So cute. And so Will goes into the doctor's lounge and he finds Natalie napping. And this is where just, oh, uh, this was a sneak peek clip. And I think all of us just died when we saw this clip because it's just, they're being so cute. So he, she's napping. And he sits down with her, and she kind of wakes up a little bit. And she's like, oh, my God, what a day. And then they cuddle, and she goes, you make a really nice pillow. Shut up. Why are they so cute? Ugh. It's
0: just it's, – I mean, and we said this every episode, but just, like, the 360-degree turn that we've seen with Manstead – or really 180 because they're now the opposite. But the 180-degree turn that we've seen from Manstead is kind of insane, but I'm not complaining because I love it so much.
1: Same. Same. Oh my god. I adore it. And I love how they're keeping the balance too. Like, they're still awkward, but they're adorable awkward now. And they've made such a change while also keeping that quirky little bit about them. So yeah, cute.
0: And I like so, how we're seeing stuff with them, like, in every episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's nice. It's nice. And so we got a DM from Hallie about this. And Hallie says, you know, that end scene was the most simple, sweet, precious scene yet. And she said, I love these two so much. I'm a about at the same place where I mean this time last year I was like I hate Manstead they're terrible together and now <laughs> I'm like they're the cutest thing ever
0: yeah our like our group text is just like one big gush fest about Manstead like it's like anytime Tori and uh, Nick post anything together just like any Manstead related thing it's just like oh my god these two and that's like just literally all it is like these two I can't they're so precious what like that's our text just like every day
1: literally yeah oh my gosh and so She falls asleep, he puts his arm around her, whatever, and Maggie walks in, and Will motions to be quiet, and Maggie goes, hot date? Nice. So, (laughs) let's play a little game here. I want to play a little game called Will Halstead is Not My Boyfriend. So... Nat is, like, sleeping, and she's all comfy and everything, and Will totally just lets her sleep. So when I rewatched this episode, I actually rewatched this part with my boyfriend, and I pointed out to him, I was like, this is not you, because if I fall asleep, you with my ass <laughs> up. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, and? I'm like, but dude, like, look, <laughs> let me sleep. We could be this cute. Yeah, we could be this couple, as in you could let me sleep and treat me like the toddler that I am. <laughs> oh my god cute and so Troy walks in to get his stuff at the end and he sees them both napping and he turns the light off and then he answers a call from April and that's the episode and this is another way that I'm like dude boyfriend you are not Will Halstead because Will or Charlie wait now I'm getting confused okay my boyfriend's name is Charlie my boyfriend is not Will (laughs) (laughs) Charlie would be like let's get up we're going out come on and Will just falls asleep with Natalie I'm like dude dude like so cute just ah so good. my boyfriend's thought, wonderful I just wish he would appreciate sleeping a little bit more I also never thought you or
0: you I bet you never thought that when you played this game you would be using Will Halstead instead of Jay Halstead
1: also true <laughs> Also true. <laughs> See, and I can say these things too because Charlie full-on admitted to me last week he's like yeah I stopped listening to the podcast so I was like okay cool <laughs> fair warning we're gonna talk about this <laughs> Come on,
0: Charlie. What the hell?
1: I know. I know. Oh, Charlie. He's wonderful, though. He's just not well and would not let me sleep. Anyway, so yeah, Choi sees them, turns off the light, and it's really sweet and whatever. And so that's their deal. And so I think the next one we're going to talk about is Dr. Charles and Reese. So Sarah is still, like, super, super jumpy about this mislike issue. She's so jumpy. And so Maggie sees her at the coffee cart, wherever, and she's convinced that she keeps seeing Miss Lake. She's like, dude, I saw her across the street from my apartment last week. And Maggie's like, the fuck? Like, seriously? That's weird. So this Alex patient that Will had, Dr. Charles and Reese meet with him and he's adamant that he's not crazy. So at one point he reaches forward, he grabs Dr. Charles and he's like, dude, I promise I'm not crazy. And so Dr. Charles is like, hey, give him a sedative. So Sarah knocks his ass out. Like, I think she gives him like five milligrams when she should have given him two, but she knocks his ass out. And so Sarah thinks that the patient's schizophrenic, but Dr. Charles is good. He's like, no, I don't think he's schizo. I think we just need to wait and see. So they still can't agree. Dr. Charles puts a fan in his room to create white noise and trigger an auditory hallucination. Nothing happens. Nothing happens, however, until Homeboy pulls out his intestine.
0: I've seen some pretty gross shit. Um, having worked in some medical environments, and this is the grossest thing I've ever seen. Also, I'd like to point out somebody on Twitter had tweeted out, it was like like, right after this happened because it went straight into commercial. They're like, oh, well, I guess that's why this episode is called Trust Your Gut. And I was like, nope, nope, I
1: don't want to, nope, nope,
0: like no. (laughs) I
1: mean, good catch, but yeah, it was gross. However, I will say I did better with this scene than I did with the kid with the pus last week or two weeks ago. Like, again, I can handle medical shows, but some of these scenes lately I've been like, ugh, gross. But this one didn't bother me as much. But still, I was like, did he just actually – ew. I think
0: it was just more of a shock factor. Like, he literally just, like, what? Huh?
1: What? And it was so casual, too. He was just like, oh, look. Like, <laughs> ugh. yeah. And Sarah was like, oh, shit. And Dr. Charles was like, dude, get his hand. Like, hello? Crazy. Ugh. And so – During surgery, Dr. Charles mentions that the dose Sarah gave him whacked him out. And Sarah is like, dude, I was being cautious. He put his hands on you. What do you want me to do? And so they're talking while this guy's in surgery. But wait, they find something. And the surgeons are like, the fuck is this? What is happening? So we find out later when it's Dr. Charles, Sarah, and what is her ex-boyfriend's name? Is it Joey? Why do I think his name is Joey? I think it is Joey. Good. I'm glad I'm right. Okay. I couldn't remember. I was like, wait, what's his name? What's his name? Yeah. So... They are going over what they found, and Sarah's like, the fuck am I looking at? And so it's either, like, a tumor or a twin that he might have absorbed in in utero. It's weird. So they're like, yeah, we don't know. And Sarah's like, how the hell did he know he had this inside of him? And Dr. Charles is like, yep, we just got beat by pure human instinct. And... So he's like, okay, well, that guy scared you, didn't he? And Sarah's like, yeah, of course he did. And so Dr. Charles goes, you know, I think I realized a long time ago that you either see the threat or the opportunity. Which I think is something Ava could benefit from learning as well. Like, don't think of Connor as a threat. Think of him as, like, a learning opportunity. You could learn from each other. But That's
0: that's a really good point. Yeah, Yeah, she could.
1: Life lessons with Dr. Charles. So I think the whole point of that was just to kind of get Sarah to calm down a little bit. But I mean, she's, you know, I get where Sarah's coming from so far. I don't know. Everybody's like, she needs to calm down. I'm like, no, I get it. She's scared.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think maybe one thing too, if this like woman had just like threatened her job or whatever, and like, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, maybe Sarah needs to calm down a little bit. But like that incident in the like Evie waiting room where it was like literally like an attack, like a full on attack, like. That was a lot. Like, I'd be scared if I was her, too.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So I completely get it. And simply telling her to, like, let it go and move on and deal with it, that's not helpful. Dr. Charles. He should know better. So (laughs) that's the Dr. Charles and Sarah issue. That Alex case was just gross. So I wonder if that was the weird one that Jeff was talking about or if there's a weird one yet to come or. I don't know. Jeff, let us if you're
0: listening. Let us know if we've seen the case yet or not, or if we it's yet to come,
1: or if it's going to get weirder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So another thing that was going on: Goodwin had issues with the budget this week, and so Goodwin's talking to that attorney guy. I can't remember his name ahead of what's about to be a board we, a board meeting, and so attorney guy mentions, you know, they're hemorrhaging cash and another hospital already closed their ED and he doesn't want med to follow in their footsteps. Here's what I don't get. okay? it's not like the ED is like a feudal department. It's the emergency department. Why would this be in danger of closing? It's not like it's not necessary.
0: Yeah, I mean, but unfortunately, like those things do happen and then it just kind of forces people, you know, especially in I mean, Chicago, it's different because there's, you know. Multiple hospitals, but like in rural counties, when an ED closes or like when a hospital closes, and then it forces people to just go further out for treatment. And that, you know, it unfortunately happens, but yeah, it's like you would think that emergency department can't close, but it does.
1: Yeah. And then what do they do if it does close? If somebody comes in with a trauma, are they just like, mm, so sorry? Like- I
0: mean, well, chances are, I mean, if there's no emergency department, then people don't go there. Um, Well, like, A, ambulances won't take them there. They'll just take them further out, which is annoying, but that's what it happens. And then, I mean, I guess that's kind of true. Like, if someone just, like, literally rolls up, then I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they don't treat them or what. But, yeah, I guess people would just know, like, you can't go there. Like, that's not a thing that happens.
1: I guess they would have to go to that other hospital where Sylvie's married doctor guy works. Oh, Lakeshore? Sure. Yeah, Lakeshore. (laughs) Sure.
0: The one that Hallie worked at. That's where Hallie worked at. Oh, is it? That was the one they used to use Lake Shore was like the big hospital for fire before like med became a thing. Like that I'm was. I'm so like glad the big you've been one. rewatching
1: season one.
0: I know. <laughs> but that's where like all the stuff for the most part happened. It used to be at Lakeshore. And now, like when they introduced Med as a show, they started trying to like obviously drop like Chicago Med and whatever. And so like that's yeah. But it used to all be Lakeshore.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So Basically, yeah the the or Goodwin and Stoll they pull Will and Choi into this meeting and they're trying to explain procedures going forward. So they are going to have to scan every single supply used going forward. And I guess this is to track the budget, but to me it sounds not at all efficient. It sounds just horribly tedious and awful. It's just it's it's the worst. Like you know,
0: doctors. I, you know, having been around doctors, like they complain so much about all the like kind of technology things and the things they have to do, you know, for this kind of new medicine that they're experiencing. And, like, I understand why, but, like, it's a pain in the ass. And, like, it's not efficient and it is tedious and it's it's the worst.
1: Yeah, and it's it, not that medicine and sports are similar in any way, shape, or form. But, like, I know in sports a lot when one of our teams makes a really weird decision and you're like, the hell just happened? And you're just like, well, at the end of the day, it is still a business. So, yeah. It's the kind of the same, I it's guess. This, it's
0: kind of this. yeah. It really – yeah. It's ridiculous. I could go on a whole rant, but that's not, that's not for here.
1: Oof. So before – oh, and also one thing that I loved in here was that they were pointing out – or Goodwin mentioned that, like, during a trauma or something, they'd have a technician, like, follow them around and scan supplies after they were used. And Will's, like, bringing in another body is just ridiculous. Meanwhile, in the same episode, you've got, like, Ethan <laughs> – april manning and like Stoll and a bunch of other people working on one case at one time you're like okay whatever sure sure that works so before the doctors leave Stoll reminds the doctors about being more detailed when they chart quote unquote so that's how we get into the whole Stoll being crazy about charting and whatever and i guess that's a legal thing to like cover their ass yeah
0: it is but it also is like annoying as hell too
1: yeah seems annoying so at the end of the episode, Dr. Charles vents to Goodwin about the budget meeting and Dr. Stoll wanting them to be good about charting and everything. And so this is another scene where, like, it starts off as, like, sweet, nice banter and then just goes, like, zero to 60. And so Dr. Charles is like, I don't want the bottom line to dictate patient care. And then Goodwin tells Dr. Charles that Sykes the biggest money loser. And Dr. Charles is a major part of the problem. Like, like, damn, Goodwin. Right? Like, a little harsh. Shit. And so Goodwill walks off and Dr. Charles is like, the fuck just happened? Yeah. What? Yeah, that was another one that just zero to 60. I was like, hey, wait. Like, bring the claws in. Like, hold on a second. Mean. So that was that. I I guess maybe we'll touch on the budget more sometime in the season is what we'll see. And so the last little bit that we want to talk about here is Maggie because we got a little bit of Maggie action here. So the medic who brings Alex in, at first, we didn't really think much of him. His name is Barry, which we learn later. But he spends the whole episode flirting with Maggie. And at first, I was like, this is cute. He's flirting. How adorable. And yeah. Maggie's not having it the entire time. So midway through, we learned that these two still have history. And so Barry's like, hey, the crew's going to meet at Molly's tonight. Do you want to come with and Maggie's like, what the hell? Why are you talking to me? And he goes, have you seen you? You're still a catch. And she's like, yeah, I always have been. Oh, shit. Yes. Right? And when he said still a catch, I was like, still? Excuse you? Like, yeah? how dare you? And so she's like, yeah, I always have been. And so Maggie mentions that he shouldn't have cheated. So there's the clue. Like, oh, he's an ex of some sort. Ex-husband, ex-boyfriend, we don't know. But he's some sort yeah. of an ex. And so... Maggie meets with Goodwin, and Goodwin's like, dude, make him work for it. Like, yeah, if you're going to get back with him, which you probably shouldn't if he cheated, because once a cheater, always a cheater, IMO. Yeah, definitely make him work for it. So, they meet at Molly's, and they're talking and being all flirty, and that's the end of that. So, I guess Maggie's going to have a love interest? Hopefully. Yeah, it would be cool to see. It would definitely be cool to see. But... I don't know. Who knows? Who knows?
0: Time will tell.
1: Yeah, time will tell. So yeah, and that's you know, that's the episode pretty much. There was so much that happened. And like, I don't know about you guys, but for me, this was such a hard episode to recap.
0: Because yeah.
1: so much was happening.
0: Yeah. It, it it is. And I think, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit. Not that it wasn't a good episode, like I enjoyed it, but it is hard when you, you know, when we're trying to do our jobs, for lack of a better word, jobs, and, like, recap it, you know, when there's literally every single person has something going on. Like, every single major character has something going on. And, you know, they never all are in a room together at once, you know. Fire, yes, obviously characters have different storylines going on, but they're hanging out, you know, in the common room, and they go on fires together. And same with PD, you know. Intelligence goes and works cases together, and they're working in the pool – Bullpen together. So, like, yes, they all have individual storylines, but there's scenes with the whole group together. So, it's less, there's some overlap there. Here, there's never overlap. Right. Between all the characters, for the most part.
1: Crazy, crazy, crazy. So, yeah. Um, Ashley, what were your overall thoughts on the episode?
0: I agree with what Brian said. It was like kind of like all over the place, but I enjoyed
1: it. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not complaining that we're bouncing all over the hospital. It's just, I'm it's glad that we're getting to see something from every character though. I do like that. Same, same. That's it's I like that nobody's fading into the background this season.
0: Yeah. I will say, yeah, that is a
1: that is a welcome change. Absolutely. So yeah, and I mean that is our recap of Med. Um, any other overall thoughts, general thoughts, feelings about the episode we have?
0: No. I mean, like we said, I mean we've got one more met episode before it goes on hiatus so it'll be interesting to see especially just because they're only 4 episodes in like i yes it's obviously before they go on hiatus for winter but like i don't think it's going to be i don't really know if they're calling are they calling it a mid-season finale because it's four episodes in like or will they call their episode like before they go on hiatus for the olympics their mid-season finale that's a good because function. that would make more sense because of plots. Like, I wonder if this one is just gonna be like, like, are we gonna have a cliffhanger? Like, Fire and PD? I doubt it. We haven't. It had seems enough like time it's a Christmas a episode, so I'm thinking probably not. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. I mean, if two out of three have a cliffhanger and like one doesn't, like, I'm totally fine with that too. But like. It's just it's hard. Like I don't know what to expect from this week's epi- this week's upcoming
1: episode because Plus, it's not no really a Plus, no cliffhanger gives us a lot less to worry about.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. like my expectation is that they'll call whatever because they'll probably be at like episode nine or ten by the time they go on hiatus for the Olympics. Like my guess is that they'll call that their
1: like mid season finale. Yeah, yeah. Because four episodes in is like your quarter season finale. It's not even mid. Right, and like I mean, yes, Fire did it with six, but like that's still two more whole episodes. Right, right. So, so I don't know. I don't we'll know. see. That'll be interesting. But yeah. So um, yeah, as always, you know, follow us on social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are meet us at Molly's. Hit us up by email. We are meet us at Molly's at gmail um, Keep your eyes peeled to social media. That's where we usually post our updates. The schedule still has not changed. Knock on wood that it doesn't. Um, oh, we should also mention for next week's episodes when we cover or not next. Well, we have one more episode this week covering Med. And then the week after that, we're going to cover the Chicago Fire and Chicago PD pilot episodes.
0: Woo woo. And somebody cough, cough, Ashley cough, cough has never seen Chicago Fire's pilot. So I'm really excited just to like I always love seeing like my friends and stuff watch shows for the first time like seeing it through their eyes like it's always really cool and yes obviously Ashley knows like Chicago Fire but she hasn't seen the first two seasons so like to see the pilot through her eyes is going to be really cool.
1: Yeah. I cannot wait for that. I just and before the before we started recording today we I I came to the realization that Ashley has not experienced Leslie Shay which just I I can't even it doesn't register in my brain. There's yeah and I've been rewatched I I rewatched season 1 like
0: Two weeks ago, like right around Thanksgiving, and so there's just like so many things I forgot about, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like Ashley doesn't know any of this. Like, what is happening? Like, I was just like, "Wow."
1: You know, so make Ashley so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not. It's not. It's not a bad thing that you haven't seen seasons one and two. It's just interesting because it's seasons one and two. Like they're an integral part of the show,
0: right? And well, and that's like what made people fall in love with Fire and you know the character. Like, yeah, it's just it's not bad. It's just interesting
1: my god she hasn't seen the episode of uh dossie's first kiss
0: no she hasn't seen there's so
1: much stuff she hasn't seen this is like history that's <laughs> why we're making such a big deal of it is because you haven't seen history ashley
0: yeah though like she hasn't seen that obviously we were talking about like the jay and gabby stuff she hasn't seen she hasn't seen like the hallie death episode is like intense
1: yeah all the void stuff the right,
0: all the void stuff in season one. <gasps>
1: oh my god Yeah, I like how we're talking about this like Ashley's not even here. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. So now's probably a good time to mention that next week, December 17th, it's a Sunday. So Sunday, December 17th at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 11 a.m. Central. We are going to do a live tweet of the Chicago Fire pilot. So that's going to be fantastic. Make sure you follow us all across Twitter. So meet us at Molly's is our main Twitter handle. Individually, we are as follows. So I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. Ashley? I'm at Ashley 95 And if I were you, if you're going to join us for this live tweet, you might want to set notifications for Ashley's tweets (laughs) (laughs) because it's going to be so good. Yeah, it's going to... It's going to be good. It's going to be so good. Well, and not only are we doing the live tweet on December 17th, but the episode after that is going to be the PD pilot. And so we... Are I've going seen to learn- that one. Just kidding <laughs> out there. I've seen that one. <laughs> For the record. Yeah, Ashley has seen that one. But on Wednesday, December 20th at 10, 9 central. So the same time PD would usually air, we're going to do a live tweet of the Chicago PD pilot. So mark your calendars. It's going to be awesome. I just can't wait to talk to ashley about the pilot of fire that i cannot believe she hasn't seen just yeah oh my goodness oh my it's goodness it's intense in all the best ways it's yeah it's just gonna be oh my god and just <laughs> oh man is the pilot the one with that scene where severide makes out with the girl in the like in the turnout room yes
0: i don't know if that's in the pilot but it's like right in those first few episodes
1: And it's that scene where the girl's like, how long have you been a firefighter? And Severide's like, since the day I was born. I don't think it's in the pilot
0: technically, but I think the foundation is laid in the pilot. Like it's either, and that scene is either in like two or three. Oh my God. It's like right after that. But that was one of the things I forgot about. And then like the whole Severide's first fiance, like, and then like, which was pre-Renee, like there was so much stuff I forgot about, especially with Severide that happens in season one. I was like, holy shit.
1: Ashley, are you going to watch all of season one after you see the pilot or are you just going to stop with the pilot? Well, if I'm going to watch the pilot, I might as well just watch all of season one. You have to live text us through the whole thing. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, stop, your Gilmore,
0: stop your Gilmore Girls binge
1: and then and watch Chicago Fire season one. We give you permission this time to stop your Gilmore Girls binge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. But yeah, so that's our episode for the day. Um Yeah, uh, but also, you know, as you know, we're dropping two episodes today, so make sure that you stop this episode at the end and go listen to our discussion of Chicago PD season five, episode nine, which is also now available for download. And we will see you guys on Friday. So everybody have a good week. Bye.